Wonderful. All right, well, if you have your Bible, open it up to the Gospel of Mark. That's where we'll be this morning. And I just want to start by saying again how much I love Sunday mornings. I feel like I come away from a Sunday, just I can't wait for the next one. And, um, you know, God works and he moves in my life. And as I'm, you know, raising my family, my two kids who are turning seven and four this uh, next week, and um, I get to meet with people for lunch or coffee. I get to have dinner with Bill Holmes. Oh, something happened. And uh, basically, we're here because we want to connect with you. We want to meet with you. And so if you're a family, you want to get together at the park and play with all of our kids together, we want to do that. If you want to have coffee with me uh, or one of our pastors, we're here to connect with you during the week and just to enjoy Jesus together. So, But what I love about Sunday mornings is that we get to form what the Bible calls a body where Jesus is the head, and he directs us. We also know that the Bible calls this here um, a family, a household of faith. It's also called a sheepfold, where Jesus is our shepherd. And church is God's plan to bring hope to a hopeless world. And what we get to do here every Sunday that we gather is we get to be the church. We get to be the salt, and we get to be the light, and we get to really meet with Jesus every week. So I love church. I can't wait to gather every Sunday. But I just want to say, too, that during the week, we're here as a church. Uh, We're in this community to love and to serve you. So uh, don't hesitate to get together with us beyond Sunday morning. So let me pray as we open up the Gospel of Mark. Lord God, I thank you that you reign supreme. You are authoritative. I I just look out at this group here and I think about how you called me and my wife here to plant this church and God, you've built it. You've brought the increase. You've brought um, already the amazing things that have taken place just even in these three weeks and in these last couple of months that You've laid a foundation, which is you, Jesus. You are the rock that we build upon this church. And so, Lord, we love you, you, God. We ask that as we open your word today, you'd speak to us. Encourage our hearts, Lord, to draw near to you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So Mark chapter 1, beginning at verse 29, it says, And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew and James and John. So right there, we see again that word immediately that we see repeated throughout the gospel of Mark. And it captures this point that when Jesus came, he came with a purpose and he came with power. You know, when Jesus came to the earth, things were moving and shaking. And as he arrived, he was walking around meeting the needs of all of the people. And what we're going to look at today is Jesus having a really full day. You guys have those every once in a while, right? Where it's just from morning to evening, you have a very full day. And Jesus is going to have one of those days where he's meeting a lot of the needs of the people. You know, Jesus was just at synagogue with his disciples, and he had stood up and he had preached this message with authority. And what I love is that we saw that the people were caught off guard by Jesus' authority. They were so used to hearing the scribes teach, and it was sort of this dull and lifeless preaching. But when Jesus came, 
he proclaimed the kingdom of God. And what we saw last week was that things got kind of intense at church. I mean, if we could compare synagogue to kind of what we do here, it's sort of a gathering where people come and listen to the declaration of God's word and people are there. Things got a little bit intense. There was a man in the midst of the crowd who began to yell out saying, we know who you are, the Holy One of God. And Jesus did not permit this man to speak because what this man was doing is that he had a demon. He was oppressed by this unclean spirit. And the spirit began to speak out through this man. And Jesus told that demon to come out. And the man convulsed and yelled, but he was set free by Jesus. And I mean, if that happens, that's kind of an intense day at church. Right? So clearly, there's something going on here. The kingdom of God has arrived with Jesus. He has authority and he has power. He's not some average Joe from Nazareth. He is the son of God and people are starting to find out about him. And Simon and Andrew and James and John, who are these two sets of brothers, these newly called disciples who had just left their nets and their boats and their family and said, we're going to follow Jesus and we're going to walk with him. And so they went to synagogue with Jesus. And think about rolling up to church with Jesus. You know, and I think about these disciples, these first ones that Jesus called. These were fishermen. These were salty dogs. They came into church with Jesus, and they're kind of looking around like we're kind of in the wrong place. And they're looking at their sandals. Did we wear the right shoes to church? And so they're kind of hiding behind Jesus under his covering, and then Jesus goes up and he stands and he preaches this message with authority, and then he casts out a demon, and the disciples are like, we're with that guy. And then it says that they went to Simon's house. I could just make a quick point here. You know, the disciples didn't see Jesus at synagogue and show up and say, hey, Jesus, nice to see you, and finish his service and says, what a great message that was, Jesus, You really put that demon in its place. Okay, I'll see you next week. He went with the disciples to their house. You know, Jesus is supposed to go home with you when you leave church. And Jesus went home with these disciples as they left synagogue. And he comes to the house of Simon and Andrew. And so again, I I love Sundays. I love what we get to do here as we gather together. We have worship. We have the preaching of God's word. We examine it together. But Jesus wants to leave this place with you to go to the next place that you're going. You know, he wants to go to work with you. You're like, I don't think Jesus wants to come to my work. No, he does. He wants to come into your house and kind of enter into everything that is in your house. Like, oh man, I'm okay having Jesus at church, but bringing him into my home, you don't know my home. But that's where Jesus wants to go because when he called his disciples, he called them to follow him, which means that he would call them into an abiding relationship. And that word abiding means to be at home in, where the disciples would be at home in Jesus and Jesus would be at home with them. You think about when you're at your house, you're most comfortable. You just kind of can be yourself. You know, that's the place where Jesus truly wants to be with you. When you can bring the real you to the real Jesus. And so they 
are in, they're there in Simon's house, you know, maybe sharing a meal, because let's be honest, food doesn't taste so good unless it's after church, right? Last Sunday, I got to go to El Pollo Inca after church, and I had the ceviche, and it was really hot, and the ceviche was really refreshing, and it was good, and it was wonderful. Something about sharing meals together, being in community together. And so Jesus comes to Simon's house, verse 30 to 31, it says, Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with the fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. See, when Jesus comes into your house, as he did with Simon, he enters into the stuff that you've got going on. And for Peter, or Simon, his mother-in-law was living with him, and you might be thinking, man, that's already rough. But then, not only is she living there, but she is sick with the fever. Nothing like having a sick mother-in-law in the back room wondering what's going to happen. And so they get to the house. Jesus and Simon come in, and Simon says to Jesus, Hey, Jesus, why don't you hang out here in the living room? I'm going to go in the back bedroom, give my mother-in-law another dose of Tylenol, and then I'll be back out, and you and I can kind of hang out. You know, that's not what happens. Simon told Jesus about the stuff that was going on in his home, the issues and the problems that he was facing. And he said, my mother-in-law is sick and she's laying ill with the fever. And Peter knew enough about Jesus already that he had cast out a demon at synagogue, that he had preached with authority and with power, and that maybe if he's got this authority and power, he can do something about my situation. And so Jesus comes in, and he goes into the woman's room. He takes her by the hand, which again is bypassing any concern for his own physical well-being. I mean, think about this. Jesus was walking into the room of a feverish woman. And, and I hope you don't have in your mind this picture about Jesus where he kind of just floated with this white orb around him, and said, you know, be healed, be healed, be healed. He had this personal touch where because he was fully man, I believe Jesus could have even caught her fever. You know, when Jesus would get a cut, Jesus would bleed. And his blood was red. Jesus was a human being that felt our pain that experienced the problems that we experience. And he cares about them. And so he goes into this woman's room. He lifts her by the hand, and it says that immediately she rose up and said, nice to meet you, Jesus. You're staying for lunch. And they have lunch together after church. And she begins to serve them and makes a meal for them and spends this time with Jesus. Now, I don't know if it's right to have a favorite miracle of Jesus, but if I were to have a favorite miracle of Jesus, it might be this one. And you're like, oh, that's kind of a lame one. I mean, think about it. Jesus made paralyzed people walk. He made blind people see. We're going to see today. He heals leprous people. I mean, Jesus even raised people from the dead. And you're saying your favorite miracle is that he heals a woman of a fever. See, the reason why I think it's my favorite miracle is because I think of a fever 
as just a seemingly small issue. You know, for the most part, if you have a fever, and she might have had a bad one, but for the most part, you just drink lots of fluid, you take a little bit of medicine, you get some rest, you push through, and you're doing okay. But what I love about this story is it shows us that Jesus cares about the seemingly small sickness that this woman was facing. You know, and let me tell you that I believe that Jesus can heal you. See, Jesus can bring physical healing, Jesus can bring emotional healing, and he can bring spiritual healing. I believe that Jesus heals today because there's no reason for why we should believe that Jesus would change that about himself. You know, a number of years ago, if I could just give you a, my own testimony from my own house, because when we leave church, we like to bring Jesus home with us. And there was this one night where my wife and I, we were eating a meal together, and my wife had struggled for uh, a season of these really bad food allergies, you know, primarily dairy, some onions and things like that. We used to make pizza and we put goat cheese on it because, you know, it wouldn't get her sick, the, the dairy or whatever. And it, but it, I was like, I'm so over goat cheese pizza. I just want pizza. I just want a pepperoni and cheese pizza. And we're sitting there over dinner this one night and it was like, my wife was kind of frustrated because it's like, Ah, I got to avoid all these foods. And we're kind of like, yeah, it's just a small issue. You can just avoid this and that and you're just fine. But at dinner that night, we just prayed and nothing extravagant. You know, we didn't light candles and get on our faces. We just sitting there at our dinner table, as you would pray for your meal before you're about to take your first bite. And we said, you know, Jesus, we know that you can heal. And would you heal this? seemingly small issue. The next day, my wife went and she had a whole pepperoni pizza and a milkshake and she was completely fine. And it was just a testimony of how Jesus cares about the seemingly small issues that we face. See, I believe that Jesus can heal us. Again, small physical pains, small emotional hurts, small spiritual struggles, because Jesus cares about even the small things the things that we think not even to present him with. Because we think that we're just fine taking care of the small things on our own. Why bother Jesus with them? I mean, I, I can just bear up under them and it's fine, I'll be fine. But Jesus can heal the things that you think that you are fine just to take care of on your own. And if you were to just come to Jesus and ask, he might do something about your seemingly small issue. See, it never hurts to ask Jesus because sometimes he does give healing. Well, let's look at the, what took place this next moment in verse 32 to 34. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door, and he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And so the people started hearing about these testimonies. And well, if Jesus can deliver somebody from unclean spirit at synagogue, and if he can heal a woman of a fever, well then maybe my sick friends, I might be able to tell them about this man and they might be able to come and be healed of their sickness or their disease. And so it says that that same evening, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. You know, Jesus already had a pretty full day. 
I mean, he probably have it every right to just kind of kick back and just take the rest of the day off. But at evening time, he began to meet the needs of all these people. You know, in these other gospels that we read, we see that as these large crowds were coming in and as people were wanting to be healed by Jesus, it says that Jesus saw these people and he said that they looked like harassed sheep, like sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus became a shepherd to them. When Jesus came, he became a physician to the sick, a deliverer to the oppressed, a helper to the weary, a guide to the lost, a savior to sinners. Because Jesus cares for us and he will always be to us what we need in whatever situation we are in. And so a mother heard, wow, Jesus heals fevers, and he brought her little baby and lined up at the door and said, Jesus, can you do something about this? Maybe a man said, you know, my business partner was in this tragic accident that left him paralyzed and brings him to Jesus and said, can you do something to maybe allow him to walk again? Or maybe a doctor comes to Jesus and says, I have this patient and I've tried just about everything to help this man, but nothing seems to work. This person is tormented day and night by their thoughts. Jesus, maybe you could do something about this situation. You know, these are all hypothetical stories. But what I'm saying is that people were lined up at the door bringing their needs to Jesus. It says that the whole city came out. And it says he healed many who were sick with various diseases. So did Jesus heal sickness and disease? Yes. Did Jesus deliver the spiritually oppressed? Yes, he did. Does he do those same things today? Absolutely. See, what we do know is that Jesus heals in a special and unique way for each individual. Jesus wasn't standing at the door of this house as the whole city came out, standing there like a vending machine of healing. That's not how Jesus heals. He's not a vending machine of healing. Jesus, in a personal and intimate way, was meeting the needs of each individual, whether it was lifting them by the hand, whether it was speaking a perfectly timed word, whether it was taking his hands and spitting on them and putting them in his eyes. I mean, that's unique. And he's doing all these different ways because here's the thing about Jesus as he heals. You can't pin Jesus with one sort of methodology. It's individual. It's unique. Because Jesus cares for us each individually. Now, perhaps you have something that you might want to ask Jesus to heal you of. Now, I personally never want to put limits on God in this area. I encourage you to go to Jesus and ask if he will heal you. Uh, the Bible teaches us that if you are sick, you can call for the elders of the church and we can anoint you with oil and pray that Jesus might heal. It could be a seemingly small issue. Jesus cares about it and I would be happy to pray for that. It could be a big issue, and you actually struggle to think if it's even possible that Jesus could do something about it. 
I would be happy to pray with you about that as well. And look, Jesus may or may not heal you. But we should still pray about that. You know, James says, we have not because we ask not. And if Jesus doesn't heal you, we won't blame you and we won't blame God. No one is to blame if Jesus doesn't heal somebody. But we can trust together that God has plans and purposes for each individual. And you know, I said it kind of semi-jokingly earlier that, you know, Peter or Simon walking into his mother-in-law's room and giving her sort of a dose of Tylenol. I did not say that to mean that we should not use medicine. Please do not mistake what I am saying here. I believe that medicine and other forms of healing are a gift from God and that they should be administered appropriately. But what about the things that no medicine can cure? What about those emotional wounds? What about the spiritual oppression that some people are facing? See, do you think that maybe, just maybe, Jesus cares and might be able to do something about people's either big or small issue? And so Jesus has not changed. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I can be a witness to testify to you that Jesus has power and authority and that there's nothing too big, there's nothing too small, that Jesus can't at least bring some form of healing to today. And it does not concern me one bit to be three weeks into a church plant coming out saying, Jesus heals. Jesus delivers the oppressed. What you will find at this church is that we stick to the word of God and we believe in his authority and his power because many with modern minds want to guard the reputation of Jesus. They want to guard the reputation of the church. You start coming out saying Jesus does miracles. Well, why don't I see those things? How come he hasn't done that for me? If you start teaching this, people are going to get disappointed. But listen, guys, last time I checked, Jesus is perfectly fine with guarding his own reputation and guarding his own church. And so we will declare what God is able to do. I want to make one last note about verse 34 before we move on because this demon speaks out and it says that Jesus would not permit the demons to speak. Why would Jesus not allow the proclamation of his deity to come from demons? I mean, they knew who he was, the Holy One of God. He knew, the demons knew and know still that Jesus heals the sick. Demons know that Jesus delivers the oppressed, but he would not allow them to declare it. Why? Because Jesus wants the proclamation of his deity and power to come from men and women. He wants it to come from you and I. So you and I are the ones to declare that Jesus can heal the sick and, and diseases. You and I are the ones to declare that Jesus can deliver the oppressed. And are you, as a child of God, who has also been given the authority of Christ, are you one who is able to declare this? Now, at this point in Jesus' ministry, he kind of kept things down low. 
he wouldn't allow people to talk about what was happening. Because listen, what Jesus ultimately came to do was not to just work miracles. Because greater than any physical need, greater than any emotional healing that needed to happen, Jesus came so that he could heal people spiritually. And the way that he heals people spiritually is that he went to a cross to atone for sins. And he rose from the dead so that he could defeat death finally. So Jesus would not allow people to make miracles the main thing. Jesus would make the proclamation of his kingdom and his sacrificial death the main thing. So therefore, in case you got all worried here that you just showed up at some charismatic church, the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and how it brings us salvation will always be the main thing at this church. Miracles, if they happen, we will praise God, but they will not be the centerpiece. The greatest miracle, which is sinners reconciled to a Savior, Jesus said, don't rejoice in these miracles. Rejoice that names are written in heaven. This will be the centerpiece of our church. So that was a complete day for Jesus. He ultimately would go to the cross. He was moving forward into what God had planned and purpose. Let's look at verse 35 to 37. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. Now, if any one of you or I had a day like Jesus had just had. We would deserve to sleep in the next day. <laughs> but it says, Jesus rose very early in the morning. I'm just telling you, my weekend starts looking like that. I'm having a spa day on Monday at Terranea, okay? But Jesus had this full day. He wakes up very early in the morning while it was still dark. I do not like to do that. And he goes to this desolate place and he begins to spend time with his father. Because in John chapter 8, verse 29, it says that Jesus only does what he sees the father doing and he always does what is pleasing to the father. And here we're going to see a really great principle that Jesus operated by in his ministry is that Jesus did not follow needs. He followed calling. Jesus met many needs but Jesus had a calling from his father, and it was to fulfill a great purpose. And so Jesus would regularly go away to be with his father. And maybe he prayed about all those people that were healed and saying, Jesus, or Father, I pray, God, that you would redeem these people's souls. You would forgive them of their sins. But Jesus would go away from the crowds, and he would spend time with his father. You know, this should be true for us. Because, listen guys, before God wants us to do anything for him, God just wants us to be with him. You know, the Father wants to have that intimate time with us. And later on in Mark, we're going to see that Jesus calls his disciples away and says, you guys are getting too busy. You guys don't even have enough time to sit down and eat a meal. Come on. 
Come away with me to a desolate place and rest a while. See, we're not meant to work, 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 work. We're meant to rest in our Lord. We're meant to get away in these intimate times with our Father. Because for Jesus, ministry flowed from intimacy with God. And if you don't have intimacy with God, there's not going to be much ministry flowing from your lives. And if we as Christians want to see greater power and authority in our lives, we have to spend time with God being filled up in times like these. And so Jesus did this early in the morning, which was before the busyness of the day began. He did it in a desolate place, which was away from distractions, away from crowds. And there he would pray. He would spend time speaking to his father. Now, Simon, (laughs) this is when you just see Simon always coming in. It says that Simon came looking for Jesus. Jesus, what are you doing up on this hill? Like, this is no time to go hiking, Jesus. Come on, let's go back and do some more of that miracle working, all right? Come on, let's go. And Jesus says, no, we're going to the next town. Wait, but Jesus, there's all these people back at that house that saw all these people healed, and they they came all this way to meet with you. And Jesus said, let's go to the next towns. Verse 38 and 39, he said to them, That's where we're going, that I might preach there also, for that is why I came. And he went throughout Galilee, preaching in all their synagogues and casting out demons. See, that's where I see and gives evidence of the fact that Jesus would not allow miracles to drive his ministry. He went to the next town in order that he might preach. You know, my pastor David Guzik puts it this way, Jesus wasn't a miracle worker that sometimes preached. He was a preacher that sometimes did miracles. Because Jesus knew that even though there would be people lining up with all of their needs, he knew what their greatest need was. You might be thinking right now, well, wait, hold on. I thought you said I can bring any need to Jesus, whether small or great. Yeah, that's true. But listen, in your life and in my life, we need to understand something about Jesus. Is he will always, always bypass your physical needs. He will always bypass your emotional needs to get to the heart of the issue, which is your greatest need, which is a spiritual need that you would be redeemed in your soul. We need to understand that Jesus is always moving to the next thing to go deeper and further into our lives. And now we're going to close it up with one last story, which is the story of how Jesus heals the leper. Let's read verse 40 to 45. It says, And a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to freely talk about it and to spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town. But he was out in desolate places and people were coming to him from every quarter. So here we see one more miracle that's pretty spectacular in nature. If healing a fever is a seemingly small issue, being healed of leprosy is a pretty big issue. 
You know, leprosy was basically a death sentence in the ancient world. Where was this uh, disease that would just rot away at your body? You would lose whole pieces of fingers and toes and face and everything, and you had to distance yourself. And if anyone were to come into your proximity or you into theirs, you had to cover your mouth and say, unclean, unclean, and you had to keep distance. And it kind of feels like a little bit of where we're like right now, covering our faces and social distance and everything. Think about somebody with leprosy, spending their whole life in quarantine. And this man comes and he falls prostrate on the floor before Jesus says, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. I mean, this guy's breaking the law. And Jesus comes and Jesus didn't come to break the law. Jesus came to fulfill the law. In fulfilling the law, he heals this man. In fulfilling the law, he says, do what Moses commanded. Fulfilling the law, he goes and says, show the priest so that they would have as a proof that the Messiah has come, that the law is fulfilled in the Messiah. But it says that this man, after being sternly told by Jesus, after being instructed not to go talking about it freely, but to go first and show himself to the priest, he doesn't do that. You know, he hindered ultimately what Jesus could then do in that city. You know, verse 45 is meant to hit you hard. You see this amazing miracle and all these things that Jesus is doing. And then you see this man who, with good intentions, but ultimately in disobedience, does what Jesus told him not to do. And it hindered the work that Jesus could do in that city. So is the story of the gospel. We have a great need, and we bring it to Jesus. Jesus heals us, and he gives us restoration and blessing. Leprosy is often in the scriptures a picture of sin. Jesus completely cleans us of our sins. And then Jesus gives us specific instructions in order to fulfill the purpose of his kingdom. And yet, even still, we disregard Jesus and his instructions. Sometimes with good intentions, sometimes with bad. Nonetheless, our disobedience ends up hindering what Jesus can ultimately do, what he wants to do. But look, Mark doesn't end there. Jesus walks his disciples through these blenders. You know, over time, Peter's going to realize that if they can't find Jesus, then he's off in a desolate place praying, and that's what he's supposed to do. And he began to learn more and more about the character and the nature and the, the, the attributes of Jesus. That's what it's like to grow in Christ. But ultimately, if God has healed us, he has plans and purposes for us. And we should walk in them. We've been called to this worthy calling. Let's walk in it. Let's do what Jesus has told us to do in his word. Whether it's a simple obedience of being a fisher of men or whether it's something that you think, I, I don't know if I could ever do that. I, I don't know if I could ever pray for somebody who is sick. But these are the things that Jesus has instructed us to do. So today... As we end, whether your need is small, whether your need is big, or whether your need is the greatest need of all needs, which is the forgiveness of your sins, 
that today you would say, I don't know this Jesus. And I want to be, you said something about him coming into my house. I want that to happen today. You, you, You said I could be at home in Jesus and Jesus can be at home with me. You said to me that I can bring the real me and all of my stuff. I don't just relegate Jesus to my living room, but I can have him come into everything and every part of my life. Yes, that is possible. That is your greatest need, and Jesus wants to do that for you today. But whatever your needs are, bring them to Jesus, and I know he will do something about them because Jesus cares about you. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, thank you so much for this morning. Lord, I pray right now if there is anyone who would call out to you and say, if you're willing, Lord, make me clean. They recognize their great need before you, and whether it's physical, emotional, but mostly right now I'm talking about the spiritual need that we bring before you. God, I pray that people would come to you in who they are and say, Jesus, would you save me? Jesus, would you forgive me? Jesus, would you come into my life? I I sense that you're knocking on the door of my heart right now, and and I want to respond to you and say, come in, Jesus. Let's, Let's dine together. Let's be together. And God, I pray right now, Lord, whoever's sensing right now your spirit speaking to them, I pray right now in Jesus' name they open up the door to you and they receive you right now, Lord that your authority, your lordship would come in and reign supreme in their life. So God, we thank you for this morning. We ask that as we exalt you more and more in worship, you would be magnified. You're so good, Lord. You're so good. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. Amen.